Well, let me say this morning that God is good to us. God loves you. God is in favor of you. God has a plan and a purpose for you, for your life, and even for the ministry that you may or may not realize that you have. That's the sugar. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We're going to have the medicine now. Are you ready to receive the medicine this morning? Because what does medicine do? It makes you better. Hi, I'm Randall Sims, and this is my podcast. Jesus, the Christ, at the cross of Calvary, purchased eternal life for you and for me. Life more abundant. That life has already begun, so why wait until the afterlife to live that life to the fullest? Welcome to the most impatient Christian podcast in the entire world. This is Christ Life Now. When we come into relationship with Christ, largely our opinions become irrelevant. We can still state them. We still have free will. But really, we base our lives and our way of being on the scripture. It doesn't matter what we say or what we feel so much as what the word of God says. Are we in agreement right now that we submit to what the word of God says, not to traditions of me or traditions of men or, or traditions of you? There's a problem in the church today should never be in the church, but it has crept into the church, and it's causing the church not to act like the church is supposed to act. It's causing the church not to be like the church is supposed to be. The church is not accomplishing things that the church is supposed to accomplish. And that thing is, very plainly, sin. I heard someone joke one time that a preacher was going to preach about sin and be mostly against it. Well, let me tell you, we should be all the way against sin. Sin is not a joking matter. Sin is the antithesis of what we are supposed to be and supposed to do and supposed to be involved in as Christians. There is a teaching that's in the world today, and you'll hear it from many pulpits. Grace is absolutely real. Grace is, as the songs say, amazing. But there is a lie that is being propagated from many pulpits on even from many very good, I would even say potentially anointed teachers that you see on television, the idea that because we are under grace, we have no expectations of living a clean and pure, submitted to God life. I call it hyper grace or greasy grace because it's a polluted kind of grace. One of the most popular of those teachers, I've heard him when he actually debated someone on the radio he admitted that it's not true that you can just remain and continue to live a sinful life just because we are under grace. And he said it was never his intention to propagate that lie. However, if you watch him, he tells the truth about God's grace, but he doesn't tell the full truth. He talks about grace, and it's very true what he says about grace, that grace covers a multitude of sin, and that we should be focused on the goodness of God and, and less on, on works of the flesh. Absolutely, but what he doesn't tell you, even though he apparently believes it, he doesn't tell you the rest of the story. He doesn't tell you about the expectations of obedience and adherence to the teachings of Jesus Christ. 
And that's a shame. And that's a problem. A few weeks ago, I was on Facebook and I saw a local worship leader. He posted something that he was probably in his mind pretty proud of, judging by the way that the, the text was worded. And he even began, began to get accolades and praise from those beneath in the comments about how proud they were of him and what a good job he was doing in his walk. And what he said was, yes, I cuss sometimes, and I'm a worship leader. Yes, I don't take care of my kids sometimes, and I'm a worship leader. Yes, he's under grace. We're not perfect. But he's making the mistake of thinking that it's okay. Let me ask you, how can both good and evil flow from the same fountain? How can we be praising and sending up hallelujahs one minute and dropping F-bombs the next minute? Let me just speak plainly. That was euphemistic enough, right? How can we be both a saint and a sinner? You see, those things are, are not things that, that coincide with one another. But because of this hyper-grace or greasy grace kind of teaching, and because it's not a popular kind of teaching, and because it makes people feel threatened, and it sets in the power of conviction over the congregation, preachers don't want to preach it anymore. They don't want to say there is an expectation. My friend, if you are in leadership at a church, and you're going to get on Facebook or even just state in public, yes, I have sin in my life, and I'm a worship leader. Look, it's not about me judging you. It's about you getting your heart right with God. You need to step down from that position. Step down, not because we're looking down on you. Everyone has sinned and fallen short, but because you're in sin. You just told the world that you're in sin. Do you honestly want me up here preaching the word to you this morning? And I just announced, yes, I cheat on my wife sometimes. Yes, I robbed a bank last week but I'm under grace. Nobody's perfect. I really don't think you want that. But when someone does something that we're all more, you know, most of us are not tempted to, to rob banks, right? Yes, I murdered my neighbor the other day, but I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm walking in God's favor. I got the sugar, but I never took the medicine. You see, there's a teaching that we used to teach, and, and I'm going to teach it right now this morning. Y'all can love me or not. It doesn't really matter. It's the truth. There's a teaching called sanctification. It's another word for holiness. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6, reading from the Amplified. It says, What shall we say to all of this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? What are they asking? Because God's grace is good and it covers a multitude of sins and we have... We have freedom from the bondage of sin. Should we sin more so there's more of this good thing called grace? Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? If grace is good and the more sin there is, the more grace there is to cover it, why shouldn't we sin more so that there's more of this good thing called grace? Well, let's see what the Apostle Paul answers, how he, how he answers himself. What shall we say to all this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? Certainly not. Can we be any clearer than that? Aren't you greasy grace teachers? Have you read the Bible? Certainly not. How can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live in it any longer? Well, that's a doggone good question. 
How can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live in it any longer? Or, or are you ignorant to the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You see, what we need to do today, instead of trying to figure out on a daily basis how much I can get away with and still be okay, how much can I get away with? I don't want to, you know, rob a bank, but maybe I can take this much money from somebody without them knowing. Maybe I can mooch off of someone for just enough and still make it to heaven. Instead of that, we need to do the, um, the, the Jewish people have a, have a term for it. It's called putting a fence around Torah, around the teachings. And we can do the same thing. We need to put a fence around the word of God. Here's the, here are the teachings and the instructions, and we want to get right up to, right up to the edge of them. We don't want to cross the line, maybe. We want to get right up to the edge of it, of crossing the line, right? But instead of getting right up to the edge, let's put a fence. Let's put a perimeter around it and not even get close. How does that sound? Let's say, you know what? This is a questionable area. I can't prove this you know, definitely, emphatically by what the Scripture says, but I'm not even going to go into the area of it. I'm going to, I'm going to stay away from that. Just It's better to err on the side of caution, right? Better to err on the side of caution, than to see how much you can get away with. Here's the thing that we need to understand. It's not that preachers are all preaching, go ahead and sin. Even the grace, hyper-grace teachers on television, they're not so much preaching, yes, go ahead and sin. It's okay. Be in your sin. Dwell in your sin. Commit adultery. Rob people. Lie to people. But they're not teaching against it. They're giving you the impression that it's okay. They're not coming right out and say it because they know enough of the truth not to just come right out and say that. But they're giving you that absolute impression that whatever you do, however you do, with whomever you do it, or whatever the case is, it's going to be okay because of the grace of God. But let me tell you something that is absolutely essential. Again, holiness, sanctification. What is holiness? Holiness is doing your absolute best to live by the teachings and the instructions of Jesus and of the Bible altogether. That's what holiness is. It's being sanctified, being set apart. Sanctification has two, has two meaning, meanings, and it, it basically crosses over with holiness. But, but sanctification is both being set apart for the divine purposes of God, being separated for God's use. It also means being cleansed and made holy, the removal of the old desires, of the old man. And truthfully, those sound like two different definitions, but they're really one and the same. They overlap because when we are are made holy when we are cleansed, when we live lives without sin, then we find ourselves being set apart and able to be used by God. If you have been born again and you still live the way that the rest of the world lives, then you have a problem. And it's called sin. And you need to get born again. Being born again doesn't mean that we're perfect. No. That's what grace is for. We grow and we do learn as we go, but there's a secondary step that comes after. It can come at the same time, but sometimes it comes as a separate act of, of God's grace, and that is called sanctification. We think sometimes in terms of God's Spirit coming and dwelling in us, and that's true. But what we need to understand is that when we become born again, it's no longer 
just God's spirit or the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, but we are one new man. We are one spirit. God's spirit and our spirit should become the same. And there should be no sin. God cannot sin, can he? He would not, could not. So our spirit should be not only born again, not only the recipient of eternal life, but we should be set apart as well. We should be sanctified. Now, here's the thing. If you're only born again, it's going to be very difficult for you to operate in the spirit because the flesh, guess what? We're still in the flesh, aren't we? As spirit-filled as you may be, the flesh is still where we dwell at this moment. And the flesh is still going to be tempted. We all have our different temptations, but sin is sin, amen? Whether you're tempted to sleep with your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's husband or you're tempted to, to be a liar, tempted to spew profanity or be lascivious, whatever your temptation is, it's not always easy in the flesh. So what am I saying? Am I contradicting myself? We're going to be tempted. It's going to be hard, yet we should be sanctified and set apart. Well, what did the scripture that I read just say? I'm counting myself, what? Crucified with Jesus. Daily, we must crucify the flesh. Jesus was buried after his crucifixion, and we should also be buried to sin, dead to sin, alive in Christ, but dead to sin. You see, if we rely only on the flesh and our old man, our old spirit, then we haven't a hope. Not really. We only have our own willpower, which might get us two or three yards, but it's not going to help us to go the mile that we need to go. Amen? But the Spirit of God sanctifying us allows us to reject that sinful nature. So, If you've come to the altar or if you've knelt at home and you've been born again, praise God. But don't stop there because to crucify the flesh, you need to ask God to sanctify you. It's both an instantaneous work of grace and I believe it's in addition to that. I believe in in addition to the instantaneous work of grace that is also an ongoing process as well. But we can't expect to just have the ongoing process and count on that. We need the immediate It's the one one that allows you to to put down the addiction just like that and not have to go through a process. And then there's the third definite work of grace. And different people believe it different ways. I'm just going to tell you my best understanding from Scripture, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, some would say that when you get saved, you immediately receive the Holy Spirit. And God's Holy Spirit does truly fill you. And God's Spirit does come to you. But I'm talking about the baptism of the... Y'all taking notes? Get ready, because here goes. I'm just going to say it plainly. I'm talking about the baptism, total submersion, not the sprinkling, but the total submersion of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, just like in the Bible. Not making that up, not pulling that from denominational illustrations or, or documents. You know, like, you know, in the Bible. We sometimes have people who are seeking to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And another way of putting that is to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And they get disappointed because they didn't speak in tongues. And the mistake is that they're seeking, often this is the mistake, they're seeking the tongues But you see, the tongues are not the Holy Spirit. The tongues are the evidence. 
They're a primary evidence of the Holy Spirit. Some people will tell you, and they'll try to you know, show scriptural examples of, well, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and not speak in tongues. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit you know, because God's Spirit was with this one and John the Baptist in his mother's womb. Uh, you know, the Spirit moved on him and, and he left in her womb. And there are examples you know, like this, but that's fine. Have that Holy Spirit. Have that much of the Holy Spirit. But don't stop there. When I tell people about the baptism, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I don't want them to think that because they were born again or because they were born again and sanctified that they have all that there is to have. There is a tertiary work of grace, a third work of grace that is the baptism, the full indwelling, the overflowing even of the Holy Spirit that you need to seek. And that comes with the evidence of speaking in another tongue. You don't have to speak in another language or another tongue to get, to get to heaven. But I'm telling you that if you have not experienced the gifts of the Spirit, the, the primary, the easiest of which to, to experience is, is tongues, then you are missing out. Y'all, you're missing out. We need to pray in a heavenly language every day. Our lives need it. The victory that we want so badly, we need that gift to walk in full victory, the full victory that God wants us to have. It's not, a, it's not a situation where, well, I have spoken in tongues so often, and I don't think you've ever spoken in tongues, so I'm going to look down on you. No, not at all, because we all got all of it by grace. We don't deserve any of it. I like what Mark Lowry says, anything above burning in hell is a privilege. But I'm telling you, because I want you to experience that. And I believe that God would not have set this gift up for you if he didn't want you to experience it. So should we continue in sin? Should we continue talking about how God has made us born again one minute and the next minute we're, we're using profanity? Should we be telling our friends one minute about how awesome that new show, The Chosen, is? And the next minute telling them about how wonderful sex in the city is. Probably not. Probably not. There are those who, who will tell you, and I'm not going to argue the, the, this one way or the other, that salvation, sanctification, and, and the filling of the Holy Spirit all come together at one point. And I have no problem with that. They certainly can. They definitely can. I've seen that, I've seen that happen like in one setting where people get all three. But I've also experienced where people will become born again and seek to be sanctified and be sanctified later. And at, a, at another point, receive the fullness of the Spirit. And once you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Don't think that you're done because you can be just as full as full can be Sunday morning and by Sunday night this world has started to drain that spirit from you and you need to be filled again. You need to be filled and filled again. As, as a kid, you know, I remember at camp, kids would get filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm talking a real manifestation of God's spirit and they would just be kind of like the next time there was an altar call, kind of like, well, I already got everything. <laughs> Y'all, that is not all you need. Now, Going along in chapter 6 here, we know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him, Jesus, in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Well, we're no longer slaves to sin? 
We're no longer bound by sin. You see, grace is not the freedom to sin. Grace is freedom from sin. More specifically, grace is the freedom from the bondage of sin. Grace is freedom from slavery of sin. We don't serve the master of sin and shame. We serve a redeeming, crucified and risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So if we are free from sin, if we are redeemed from sin, if we are no longer, what does it say? In order that our body of sin might be done away with, if, we are, if we're no longer stuck in the bondage of sin, then why are we sinning? Why is there still sin in the church? Why do we still have cussing worship leaders? Why do we still have pastors who have an affair with their secretary at the church? It happens. There's a key element that we overlook that doesn't get taught. And that's in addition to holiness, in addition to sanctification. It's called repentance. You see, repentance means, very much in our vernacular, in our layman's term, so to speak, repentance means to turn around, to do a 180, to go the opposite direction. At one point, you were going this direction. You were going deeper and deeper into sin. You were operating in sin. And then you, you do a 180. You repent. You turn away from your sinful ways. You turn away from the sins of your past. You've gotten forgiveness of them. And now you go the opposite direction. What does the scripture say about repentance? Matthew 3 and 8. It says for us to produce fruit. Fruit something that you can see, right? You can tell just by looking, just by knowing someone. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Does that not tell us that we're not supposed to continue in sin? I mean, how much more evidence do we need? In Revelation 3.19, it says, Those whom I love, I rebuke, God speaking. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So, be earnest and repent. A more specific definition, biblical definition of repentance is to change one's mind. To change one's mind for better. To heartily amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. What is abhorrence? That is a detesting, horrible kind of hate. You abhor your past sins. Why am I preaching about sin in the church today? Because there's sin in the church, and there doesn't need to be. We need to repent of our sins and turn away from our sins. Why aren't we getting where we want to be in our walk with God? Because there's sin in our lives. Why isn't our church accomplishing the things that God wants us to accomplish, that he's called us to accomplish? Because there's sin in our lives. I'm not talking about every single person in every situation. I'm talking about the church as a whole. I've been to a lot of churches, very lively, an awesome, awesome worship team. They've got programs, and they have people, and they have lots of money, and they're very charismatic, great personalities, great things happening. But you can look around in their services when the people are jumping up and down in excitement with the music and you can think wow this is great but you don't see you're not able to see any of the fruit of repentance in their lives and I'm not saying that I'm going in there with a judgmental attitude I'm just talking about the fruit you don't have to be a tree inspector to know an apple when you see it Right? People jumping up and down and just hoping that they don't get too excited about Jesus or their top is going to absolutely fall down. Well, I told you medicine. I'm just saying. 
There's a call to holiness. And I could say that there's a new call to holiness, but y'all, it's never changed. God has always expected adherence to his word from his people. And people love, oh, they love this story. They love the story of David. Because David defeated Goliath? Not so much. No. Because David was a man after God's own heart. Well, that's good too, but that's not why we're interested in it. Because David danced naked in the streets, he kept on his underwear. (laughs) That's not even it. Because David had an affair. Because David fell into sin. David gave into a compulsion, a normal compulsion. I mean, who doesn't like a beautiful woman, right? I mean, what man doesn't like a beautiful woman? <laughs> Let me be specific. <laughs> he, gave, he gave in, though. He gave in to the compulsion, and that compulsion became obsession. You see, he didn't just see, but he looked. And he knew when to go up on top of the roof to look, didn't he? David had a compulsion that he gave into, and the compulsion became obsession, and the obsession became sin. And the sin led him not only to adultery, but the sin led him to murder after he got her pregnant, after he tried to lie about it. And that's what people love. Well, I'm a cussing worship leader. I don't take care of my kids, but you know what? David committed adultery, committed murder, and lied. So I guess I'm pretty good. Let me tell you something about David. Brother David, first of all, he wasn't even a Christian. Well, he hadn't even met Jesus. He didn't go to revival. He didn't pray through. David wasn't a Christian. He wasn't, he wasn't even under the kind of grace that we're under today. David was still operating in the flesh. There was still a, a physical animal sacrificing system in David's time. Amen? Amen? So don't try to compare yourselves to David. You ain't David. And David wasn't you. But what did David do even under the old system? What did he do? He repented, didn't he? He repented, but what did it cost him? It cost him so much. It cost him the life of his son that was conceived. You see, I'm glad that we're under the New Testament kind of grace because, so that our sins don't have to be passed down. The buck stops here, amen? The buck stops right here with us being born again, and we speak against the curses that would be passed on to our children. So don't say that, don't, don't, don't try to justify your sin because you want to be like David, you want your kids to be cursed? I think not. You want people talking about you and how you committed adultery and committed murder? Probably not. How about this? We're called to holiness. How about this? Let me say it again in case you didn't hear it the first time. There's sin in the church and there doesn't need to be sin in the church. Luke chapter 17 and 3 is one of the best verses about repentance. If your brother or sister sins against you, Rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. We talk about forgiveness, right? What does it say in this chapter? If they repent, saying that you forgiving them is contingent upon their repentance. So biblically, we can say that forgiveness is contingent upon repentance. Amen? So if you think you're forgiven, but you didn't repent, you're not repentant, how can you say that you're forgiven? We learned that you can't be forgiven unless you forgive others. But how about if we don't repent? We also can't be forgiven. Is this speaking to you today? Are you seeing the need for repentance? Are you seeing the need for holiness? 
Why do I call it drop-dead holiness? Because it's an extreme measure. It's the kind of measure where we daily need to crucify the flesh. We need to drop dead in the flesh and not in the spirit. If you are fighting on a daily basis with the, between the flesh and the spirit and the flesh is winning, then you're not crucifying the flesh. Is that simple enough to, to grasp? Let me say it again. If you're fighting and the flesh and the spirit are having a race and the devil is driving your flesh full throttle and the flesh is winning the race, then you're not crucifying the flesh. And you need to repent. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to get born again. People would ask the question, well, I'm, I'm saved. Can I lose my salvation? Are you saying that you can lose your salvation? I usually say, I don't know, but I don't recommend it. Here's what I really think. If you are, in air quotes, if you're saved, if you're born again, and you're still living a sinful life, then you just need to get saved. It's not a matter of, of losing your salvation. You need to get saved. You need to be born again. Because you can't be saved without repentance. And if you are repentant, then you're not living in sin. Don't you agree? Amen? So let's stop worrying about whether we can lose our salvation or not, and just know that if you're living in sin, you don't have salvation. When you make a mistake, when you make an error in judgment, yes, God will forgive you. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that you've missed out on God, but when you live a willful, sinful, proud about it, boasting kind of life, yep, I'm a sinner, I'm just like David. Well, I cheat on my wife sometimes, but David did it too, and look where he got you just need to get saved. You need to be born again. Has this been harsh enough today? It's not harsh. Hey, it's in love. This is a love kind of sermon. I'm not being mean. Verse 22, still in chapter 6 of Romans. But now, church, <laughs> now, since you have been set free from sin and have become willing slaves to God, you have your benefit, resulting in sanctification, being made holy and set apart for God's purpose. And the outcome of this is eternal life. Say it with me. Salvation, sanctification, holy ghostification. Amen. We need the fullness of what God has to offer us. And it doesn't come by listening to a sermon. It's a good start, but it comes from walking daily in relationship with God and seeking him daily. Let us pray. Let us pray. Father, your goodness and your mercy is abundant, and Lord, I do thank you for every ounce of grace that was dispensed at Calvary. Father, and reveal to the people in your kingdom and every congregation across this land, Lord, their sins, Father, the things that are in their life that should not be in their life. And Father, flood us with a spirit of and an atmosphere of repentance, Lord, of turning away from the evil things, Lord. Help us to understand that we cannot continue to operate in sin so that grace may abound father open our eyes and our hearts help us to receive the fullness of your truth lord send revival send revival where those who are seeking you 
those who you are calling can be saved, sanctified, filled with your Holy Spirit, with the evidence not only of tongues, Lord, but all of the gifts of the Spirit, Father, and all of the fruit of the Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Do you receive this word today? Are you going to implement it in your lives? Are you going to let it change the way that you think about the Christian walk, whether it's yours or just in general? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.